You can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is gonna give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's gonna be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Hello, and welcome back to the show. You are not going to believe what is about to happen here because after months and months and months of swearing adamantly that this is a solo show and I will only ever do this by myself, I have a guest today. And I'm really happy to welcome my friend Catherine, who's joining me here at HQ. Um, And we're going to do something, I don't know, it might be a total failure and it might be super cool. We're really hoping it's going to be super cool, but we'll just see how it goes. Um, Catherine and I have talked a lot about our dating, our love lives, like where the direction of our lives, you know, we're in our 30s and we kind of have these conversations as you do about like what it all means and where it's all going and what the hell is happening. And so for for both of us as women who are like really seeking to be loved in the way that we deserve to be loved, we talk about dating a lot. And so she has graciously offered to come on the show and we're going to do basically like a mini coaching session. That's the intention as I said, this could be a total disaster. Who knows? Um, it's really a conversation between friends. No, I don't typically coach my friends when we're just having casual conversations. Don't worry. But I do get a lot of feedback from people wondering, like, what the hell is NLP? What the hell is EFT? What is it like to work with you? Um, a lot of feedback I have from people just before they start working with me is like, holy shit, like, I've wanted to work with you for so long, but there's been something holding me back, and I haven't really felt ready. I kind of felt intimidated. And for where I sit, I'm like, but I'm nice. Like, why, why aren't you ready to work with me yet? And so part of my intention is to just, I don't know, shed some kind of real-time insights on what it might look like in a coaching session when you have one specific issue in particular that you're really looking to heal. As you probably already know, typically when people work with me, we work together for like six months. And it's a very cool design because we kind of front load the front end with four back-to-back, I almost said episodes, but not podcast, (laughs) other hat. We do four back-to-back sessions. So about an hour each um, times four weeks. And we really get this like massive clarity and context. So where you're coming from, where you've been, where you are, what are the limiting beliefs that have prevented you from getting to where you're going? And specifically, where do you hope to be going? Like, what is that vision of yourself that you can't stop dreaming about? Like, what does that look like? And what would it feel like? And how do we start putting that into action now? And then for the next five months that we're working together, we kind of drop back the intensity a little bit and we have about an hour a call every two weeks for five months to implement that plan. So it feels like actionable therapy because we're kind of getting picture-perfect clarity on what the hell has been going on in your life. What are those patterns that have been popping up? And then strategically moving forward in a way that looks and feels like really, really good for you and for where you're going. But again, kind of fast forward to this moment, we're just kind of having a conversation, looking for patterns and talking about life in general. So without further ado, Catherine, welcome to Call Myself Beloved. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Um... Can you say a few words about who you are and what you're doing right right now? Yeah, so I'm another woman in my 30s looking for love. (laughs) Is that what we say? Uh, I'm a nutritionist. I've been doing that for a decade now. I'm originally from Ottawa. I don't really know. How do you introduce yourself? It's really hard. <laughs> I'm, How do you? I do it as a trick question because I think it's so insightful <laughs> as to what people say. Yeah. When you're like, tell me about yourself. I think it's so interesting what they like, say. Like, what's the first thing someone says about themselves? What is, what's the first thing I said about myself? That I'm single. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I said. Usually it's so revealing about our identity. I find people, and I do this too, like, um, go to job, right? Because we start to identify ourselves so clearly about, like, the what's of who we are, not the who we are, but the what we are. Yeah, that's why I don't like that question, like, what do you do? Yeah. Because that doesn't define you. Yeah. So, yeah. But the, anyway, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Was that helpful? Yes. 
<laughs> I'm really happy you're here. Um, let's like just jump into it. Let's talk about dating right now. Dating, oh, it makes me so uncomfortable to talk about it because being like a 36-year-old woman and being single and wanting to do things like start a family and I've been in longer-term relationships, I've been in shorter ones, I've had my flings, all that stuff, I've swiped every direction on every app, but I really feel like people are looking for the next best thing all the time. Like it's, it, it can't keep anyone's attention or I feel like I can't. And that's been my biggest issue with a lot of relationships that I've been in the past mm -hmm. is I've been cheated on a lot, a lot. And ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being so real about this and fuck like, ouch. Yeah. So when you say you feel like I didn't hear you. Did you say you feel like it can't keep people's attention or you can't keep people's, people's I attention? I use the word me, okay. but, but yeah, maybe it isn't necessarily me. Cause you do come out of relationships going, what did I do? Or you do come out of a relationship where someone's not faithful and you say, what wasn't I doing? Mm -hmm. What wasn't I enough of? What wasn't I fulfilling in them that they had to find someone else? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, I said me, I said okay. me, why can't I keep their attention? Okay. <laughs> That's so interesting. Do you find that you meet people more through, they're so, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> like, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Um, okay, so I just posted on Instagram yesterday because I, as you know, like I'm 39 and I do have a family, albeit, like I have children, um, but I can't believe it. Like the one thing I have seriously wanted my entire bloody life is a family. This like, I'm going to cry. Like this like, real, honest, genuine, just like be yourself and love each other family. And I cannot fucking believe that five years after I left a marriage, I can't believe that I'm still single. And so like, this is so top of mind for me personally, because it's sometimes it's just so baffling to me. And you know, like as a mindset expert, then I start to I, like, I start to feel all kinds of shame because I'm like, you know, you know what you're saying is detrimental to the, the process. And yeah, I know that timing is heavily involved, but Anyway, long story short, I'm so intentional about being married again, like to the right person and have like just create, I already have created such a really beautiful life. And I'm so excited to share that with a man that uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, well, fuck it. Like, what do I have to lose now? Like everybody, everybody is at home on their phones. I'm going to start online dating again. <laughs> and it is not it has not gone well because, <laughs> you know, like I'm part of, also this is so vulnerable. Um, you know, we live in this tiny town and so I'm going to attribute this to just geography, but like, I don't, I don't even get matches. It's not yeah. like, it's not like I'm connecting with people and we date for a while and it doesn't go well. I'm not even getting like chosen, which is a huge trigger for me that it's like, oh great, no. let's deal with that vulnerability again. But um, anyway, the other day, I was on, I have elite singles, which is stupid and I do not recommend it. And I will openly trash them because I think they are garbage, <laughs> <laughs> like, real actual garbage. But um, it's like a site that I pay to use and it's so terrible. Um, and I've tried to cancel it several times and they keep saying no, which I resent. Anyway, I got this super creepy message and <laughs> like, not only could he, could he not spell, I don't think he spoke English. Instead of typing my name, Lise, he typed like, Gold John exclamation mark. And I was like, what the hell? That's your new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not even an autocorrect mistake. This is just like, what the hell? <laughs> and he ended, he said something weird, something weird. At the end of the message, he was like, I'm not a predator. I promise. Ah, ha, ha. And I'm like, if you have to say you're not a predator, you most definitely are 100%. <laughs> so I yes. posted that on Instagram. And I got so much feedback from people being like, oh, man. And it's like polarizing. Online dating is polarizing. So people are either in the camp of like, this is the worst fucking thing in the world. <laughs> or, hey, dude, chillax. Like, I met my husband. So where do you stand, first of all, on online dating? Uh, oh, wow. I used to feel the other way around where I was like, oh, it's just for, it's for hookups. That's all it's for. And then I resigned to the fact that that's 
one of the biggest ways to meet people these days is online in any capacity. Like I've met people on Instagram that I've ended up dating as well. Like that's, that's online too. Right. But I get so many creepy messages, so <laughs> many creepy messages. Like, I don't know if it's cause I got my boobs out a lot. It happens. <laughs> you do have spectacular I do. I have them out right now. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, they're like spectacular. So, <laughs> but I mean, are we selling my dating profile here or <laughs> It's up to you. Let's leverage Bye. my platform or my uni. Uh, it's, it's like an all-female yeah. audience. <laughs> yes. Well, you never know. <laughs> I mean, but no, I like I I've started to I have met people who I built genuine connections with who ended up just becoming friends after. So I don't know. That wasn't really an answer, but I feel like I don't want it to be off the table because mm-hmm. it is a way to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. But once again, back to that point from before mm-hmm. I feel like there's always the next best person like one person I was with I won't be specific about you know the timeline when I was with this person in case some audience <laughs> members are not female and I guarantee he's no. not listening do <laughs> what makes you feel comfortable <laughs> but uh was on it again while we were together like on another on the dating app that I met him on when we were together and it was like really like you got the girl, what are you looking mm-hmm. for? So it feels like people need that extra validation and attention. And that's what makes me uncomfortable about mm-hmm. it. And that's why I tend to not go on it that mm-hmm. often unless I really have to. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I got to meet someone now. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, <clears throat> yeah, really close friends in uh, Wisconsin is very, she's also single and same thing. She's like accomplished. She's beautiful. Like we're traveling in the same pack here. And it's like baffling. Why the hell is she single? It doesn't make any sense, right? And she and I talk a lot about how if you are going to use online dating, you have to be so high vibe before you get on. Because if you, if you like start swiping and you're in a place where like, <laughs> please, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hope somebody chooses me. You know, if you're in that place, yes. you are setting yourself for such a nightmare. And if you go in with the intention of like what you said, this is just opening the door to meet new people, you know, from, from a business coaching perspective, like we're just, we're widening the funnel, right? We're just like yes. expanding the market of who we're calling into our lives. I just hired a publicist. I feel like they'd be very glad to hear this. Yes. Like you're just opening yes. the top of the funnel to feed people through it. But, um, the nitty gritty of that though, is like where we're really going to dig into because I remember, you know, fresh out of divorce when I, I didn't really date in my twenties cause I'd been in the same relationship for like 14, 15 years. So when I first, when I first got out of my marriage, it was like recess. It was like, it was so fun. And I was spending a great deal of time in Toronto. And I remember like, what an, this is such asshole behavior, but I remember being on my way to a date swiping yes. to see if I would like get a better offer. Yes. I'm not proud of that behavior, <laughs> but I am also not too like proud to admit that. What I'm really shocked to hear and like really saddened to hear is that while you're in a relationship, somebody's still doing that. Yes. The last couple, um, like there was a group of men like in succession that did that. They were back on apps or talking to other girls or whatever it is. And so every new thing that I get into, I automatically come in with that. Okay, well, I'm going to be one of mm-hmm. many or this person's not going to focus their attention on me. I'm just going to be one of a few other mm-hmm. people that they're talking to. Uh, and I'm in a situation like that now where I'm trying to put myself out there and I'm like, well, I'm sure that I'm just mm-hmm. going to be another option, right? And that's what it feels like, that yeah. it's like you're just an option. An in option. A- yeah, I'm not the choice. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, this whole pandemic thing, right? Everybody's at home, everybody's Mm -hmm. bored, everybody's on every platform. And I don't know if this is the time for genuine connection or if it Mm. it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Talk to me about like when you're getting into those relationships, if you're going in with that, and this is not a blame thing, but if this is just like statement of fact that you're going in with a mindset of like, Hey, new relationship. My track record shows me, like my conscious reality shows me that every time I get into a new relationship with somebody I met online, I become an option and they keep looking for other options. How does that affect your communication when you're going into that relationship? I am a pleaser 
So I will go into almost everything just accommodating to the other person. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it makes me feel like I have to try a little harder to get their attention mm -hmm. or to do things that are that kind of set me out or aside from all of the other girls that mm -hmm. they're talking to. So I think that's something that I definitely do. I go in and I'm like, well, I don't want to be an option. I'm mm -hmm. going to make myself, mm -hmm. you know, the, the choice. Like the alpha. Yeah. And what does that look like in practice? I've been, this is so, <laughs> this is awful. I hate admitting this. Somebody that I dated, a friend of theirs um, commented on like my behavior and said, oh, Catherine's really desperate. And I was like, oh God, am I coming off as that mm -hmm. like really desperate, accommodating, like what, what is that behavior? Mm -hmm. That's, it's, I don't like that at all. I don't like the way that makes me feel mm -hmm. like I'm fighting for something constantly. Yeah. And you get, you, you're raised with this mentality. Even my mom has said it. Oh, you'll know when you find the right person or you'll, you'll just know, mm -hmm. like, no, I just, <laughs> I don't think it works that way. So I don't like that sort of proverbial bandage of okayness that mm -hmm. somebody's trying to put on me. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You'll find that right person. Cause then I'm constantly going, well, well, is this person right? Mm -hmm. Or is this person just another asshole? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know which direction I'd like. Sometimes I feel like I use this analogy a lot, but like sometimes it feels like Plinko, <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, we're going to put something in at the top and who knows where it's going to land. But a couple of things stand out for me. Like one desperate and accommodating are very, very different words right? Like there, that's two totally different directions. And, um, have you observed when you think about that behavior that, you know, you say that you're a pleaser, that you like want to keep people happy, where does that feel desperate to you versus where does that feel accommodating to you? Yeah. I feel like the accommodating part is when I'm being that person who's kind of making them happy mm -hmm. or who's changing things. I have a really flexible life. I mm -hmm. can mold into other people's. That's really great. But when it starts becoming desperate is when I feel like I'm losing their attention. That's when I feel okay. that desperation. Okay. And then when you get to that place, we, so my dad used to say, and my dad is like not somebody you should take a relationship <laughs> advice from. So like take this with a grain of salt, please. But this always really stood out to me because I think this is a, a great truth of relationships that you know, he was saying marriage, but relationships are the delicate art of compromise. And when you get to sacrifice, you've gone too far. You know, if you think that like the goal of being in a partnership, I, like I could talk about this for so long because we see so many flawed messages that like you complete me. What would I be without you? I could never make this on my own. Without you, I would die. It's like meh, codependent. <laughs> yes. Like that's not a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship really is, and the intention is, to be two independent people living an interdependent life, right? That's compromising because that means if we're in a relationship, there are going to be times where you don't get your way. Like you're going to have to bend a little bit to accommodate what I need as your partner. And likewise, I'm going to have to bend a little bit to accommodate what you need as my partner. But if we're constantly bending and accommodating and we're not getting into a place of ensuring that like our own needs are being met, suddenly we're sacrificing. And we get into this like martyr state where like I will do whatever it takes to keep you happy at the risk of making myself happy. That's like the slippery slope, yes. right? So is that a familiar feeling to you? Yeah, okay. definitely. Well, it's more and more familiar the older I get mm -hmm. and the more crap keeps happening to me in relationships okay. where I'm like, well, now I don't trust anyone. This is great. Yeah, yes. So yeah. And then, then that clock's like ticking and you're like, okay, well, yeah, I, I, I say this all the time. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but like, if I get into a new relationship, I want to have kids. Like mm -hmm. I have a, what am I going to do? Hey, you want to put it in me now? <laughs> nice to meet you. Just that's where tip. I'm at. Just the tip. Yeah. I don't even care. Just the tip. <laughs> Because that, you know, so it, so it just, it adds that pressure mm -hmm. constantly and then it makes that happen more often with mm -hmm. me. Which is interesting because, you know, I think there's something that's, there's so, 
I think there is something that's so beautiful about being quote unquote older, and I mean older than like 25, um, getting into a relationship because you're so much more aware of what you actually want. You know, by your mid thirties, ultimately you have a better sense of what you need and what you like and who you are and what you offer, right? And so to me, and I don't know, it might be the Dutch blood, it might be the Taurus background or the like Taurus astrology. But for me at 39, on online dating, I'm basically like, I'm looking to get married. Like, and I don't want to date. I basically want, <laughs> my vision board tells me this is the year I've like make multiple six figures and meet my husband. So it's like going to be a very big year, but yeah. I, I don't want to date. I don't want to see how it goes. I really, I'm looking for like a real partner. So part of me thinks that being so clear in your expectations mm is really valuable because you're just putting it on the table. You're not dancing around it. You're like, this is what I am looking for, period. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, can you think of any other time in your life or any other area in your life where you go in, I don't know, friendships or in new client relationships or anything like professionally? You're a musician. Like, are there any like professional music relationships that you get into where you start to have that feeling of needing to really vie for somebody's attention? Every single... <laughs> <laughs> I am I am the accommodator, and I've been... I have a few really close, incredible girlfriends who call me out on it all the time. Okay. Like, they were joking about it on a virtual call the other mm -hmm. night. They said... We played one of those games online where you can kind of put your different friends in different categories. Mm -hmm. It's like a rating game. It's hilarious. And there was one about road rage. And it was, oh, what would, how would Catherine react? And the choices were all like, you know, flip them off or yell at them <laughs> or whatever. And they didn't pick any of them because they said what I would have done is apologize to the <laughs> other person and just go on with my day. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's me. I've just been mm -hmm. that accommodating person in every single relationship. I'm the one that's bending Mm -hmm. unless I have, I have incredible people who recognize that all mm -hmm. the time and go, Hey, back mm -hmm. off a little. Um, so yeah, every situation, is that the answer? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, like you can't see me, but I'm like rubbing my palms together. So I'm like, here we go. Here we go. You know, if we're talking about an emotional vine that has tendrils that like come up and you can see it from where you're sitting, like the vine that I always talk about, like, yes, it's about to grow right there on the bends, but like, um, if we're talking about this like emotional vine that has tendrils that pop up all over the place that seem like they're not related to one another, when we start to do this work, this like emotional work of tracing them back to figure out where they're coming from, a hundred times out of a hundred, they share a common root. And so when we like treat, oh man, I'm so accommodating in my friendships, my friends just take advantage of me. And oh man, this client didn't pay me once again. And you know, and like this guy totally took advantage of my work and this, I showed up for a gig and the fucking guitarist was late again. And like, and now this guy in line is like, hang on a second. What would happen if we started to trace each of these little vines back to their root? What would we, what would we start to find? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you tend to, when you think about some patterns in your life or things you're doing wrong, I don't know about everybody else, but I will try to psychoanalyze myself. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it must have been that time <laughs> when I was five. And, you know, so, and I know that there's some patterns and behaviors in my life that stem from mm -hmm. things when I was a kid, mm -hmm. for sure. You and I have talked about mm -hmm. this before, just from a personal level about our childhoods and stuff that's happened, right? So same, same thing. And I can see... I was always trying to get my dad's attention and it was like, and I didn't always get it mm -hmm. all the time. And my mom just did what she could to make me feel better about it and never really got me involved. But, you know, as you get older and then you realize like, oh, that was what was happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't want to, this is, this is your job, not mine. <laughs> like maybe, I, maybe I'm repeating that because it's like a constant need for validation and attention because I didn't get it before. And then it's just happening all over again in these relationships where I'm letting people walk all mm -hmm. over me mm -hmm. and I'm sacrificing more than I'm yeah. compromising. So from a, like, a, again, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist, yes. but yes. I love that. I'm like, disclaimer, yes. disclaimer, <laughs> but let me just tell you anyway, um, how the mind works is that, 
you know, we have this conscious mind and we have this unconscious mind and the conscious mind, it perceives everything around us. Like it's what we can actually like see, taste, touch, smell, all the things. Right. But then our subconscious mind is at this deeper level that we don't necessarily have access to because it's just kind of experiencing things and alerting us to other things subconsciously or unconsciously. And what's so fascinating is that, um, you know, I, again, I talk about this a lot on the podcast in my book. I talk about like this for chapters, um, if we're walking past each other on the street, I'll probably stop you and talk about this. Like, I am passionate about this. <clears throat> Our unconscious mind is responsible for alerting us to fear or to danger, rather, and, and causing a fear response for us so that we can respond appropriately. So when we see a bear chasing us down, our subconscious mind is like, uh, dude, there's a bear. You're going to die. Like, you got to get out of here. Well, when something happens that uh, threatens our emotional safety or is even perceived to threaten our emotional safety, the subconscious mind's job is to sweep our environment for danger and alert us to what is happening. Even if it's not a real threat, it, it treats it like a physiological response, right? Sometimes, or be, like, there's like another flaw of our brain that it loves to take the path of least resistance. So it likes to do things over and over and over again because that that's what is the easiest and that's what feels good, which is why behavior change is so freaking hard because you can think you want one thing, but if you believe a totally different thing, it's really, really difficult to get there. So the brain wants to keep repeating patterns over and over and over again. So even when you consciously get ready to break a pattern, you're like, this relationship, like I'm putting my foot down. I'm not, I'm not accommodating anymore. Like I'm fucking standing up for who I am, what I want. You can do that. You can totally do that. And I guarantee you there will be an element of self-sabotage that starts to come up because it'll come up as imposter syndrome or as self-doubt or as fear or as like period I could never be with this person because like it's going too well. Something will happen to sabotage it because anything new that's happening in our conscious reality feels like it's violating our safety. And the job of our subconscious is to alert us to danger and teach us to respond in a fearful way, right? Until <laughs> you get to the, the root at a subconscious level and clear it off. So if you think about the childhood you had, the childhood I had, just normal childhoods. Like we're picking up so many messages around us. It doesn't matter if you have loving, like I'm a really loving, attentive, present mother. I guarantee you their shit my kids are, they're, that they're picking up because that's the human experience, right? So this isn't like a blame your parents thing. It's like take accountability and responsibility for your own life thing. So many of us are walking around with oodles of emotional baggage that we don't even have access to because it's just a part of who we are. We just kind of take it for granted. So my question is, would you be open to like exploring what it would feel like to clear that off and kind of like start to release that pattern? Yeah, because I don't want to be going into every new relationship with that same mm -hmm. feeling of I'm bending and breaking and mm -hmm. desperate and trying mm -hmm. to get this person's attention. And it's, it's happened to me recently, meeting a new guy who's awesome mm -hmm. And even in the first like week, I was such a dick to him. <laughs> He's he he brought it up a couple times too, and it was like I think I just you expect the worst, and I don't want to go into any situation this person or anyone else, knowing that there's a potential that I'm going to ruin it because I have that danger yeah. sign flashing yeah. in the distance. So good for you because that's really powerful, and not a lot of people are brave enough to do that because it's just so much easier to keep going through the motions. And, you know, like that's how we get to this sleepwalking moment of, you know, you turn 40 and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, how did I get here? Like, I don't even like the life that I'm living. No. Why the hell am I doing it? Right. No. So if, if you are brave enough to take the next step, let's like dig into this a little Ooh, more. I am brave okay. enough to do it. Woohoo! This is like <laughs> not a party trick, but for some reason feels like it. Right. <laughs> so the reason why I'm going to use this particular technique for you, which is an uh, emotional freedom technique to release some of this stuff is that, you know, you've, you've been able to identify that this is a pattern that's like pervasive. It's, it's not only a relationship thing. It's not just a mindset shift that we need to re-examine for like, okay, how do we look at relationships differently? If it's affecting friendships and work and music and whatever else, if it's every single area of your life, we got to go to the heart of it. Right? So this is going to feel 
basically like a meditation for you. Okay. Okay. So when you're ready, just close your eyes. I'm closing my eyes, everyone. Just <laughs> <laughs> Next time we're going to do this like a video podcast um, or a vlog as the kids Yeah, say. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with your eyes closed, just take a really nice deep breath in and allow yourself to let it go. And again, just feel really grounded in the moment. Allow yourself to feel totally relaxed. And just take a nice deep breath in and allow yourself to let it go. Now, I have a feeling if I were to ask your unconscious mind, where is your future and where is your past, that you'd point in a certain direction, like front to back, side to side, up and down, or in some other direction in relationship to your body. It's not your conscious, logical, thought-out answer that I want, just your natural, unconscious response, your first impulse. So if I were to ask your unconscious mind, where is your future, which direction would you point in? To the front? Forward. Perfect. And what about if I were to ask your unconscious mind, where is your past, which direction would you point in? I'm pointing to the side. Okay, perfect. Can you remember something that happened like a week ago? Describe something specific? Or? No, just can you call yes, that memory? Yes, for sure. Yeah? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Which direction does that memory come from? Mm, past. Awesome. And what about something you know will happen in a week or two from now? Imagine something that you know will happen in the future. Which direction does that come from? Forward. Perfect. So you can see already that that causes, like, there's this natural linear element to your past and your future, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to call that your timeline. Um, what's so cool about your timeline is that it's incredibly easy to travel along it from front to back, however you wish, easily and effortlessly. So what I want you to do now with your eyes closed, just picture that timeline. And when I say timeline, I don't just mean something that you see. I mean something that you're able to actually float above, just like sound waves might float on the wind or as you might float in a pool or a tub. So I want you to go ahead and just float up above your timeline, making sure to look through your own eyes rather than seeing yourself floating. Now, staying up above your timeline, I want you to turn around and face your past. Just turn so that you're facing your past and allow yourself to float back into the past. At the unconscious level, there is no concept of time. So your unconscious mind can take you there as quickly as it likes. Just go ahead and float right back into the past as far as you want. And let me know when you're there. I think I'm there. Great. Now I'm going to ask you to turn around back towards the present so that you're facing the future. And go ahead and float right out into the future. And remember, at the unconscious level, time does not exist. So you can take as much or as little time as you want to get there. Just go ahead and float right out into the future as far as you like. And then just let me know when you're there. Okay, perfect. I'm there. <laughs> perfect, perfect. It's so easy, isn't it? So now I'm going to ask you to turn around and face now so that you're facing back into the past. And I want you to float way up into the air. In fact, I want you to float up so high that your entire timeline seems to be only about an inch long. And when you're there, just go ahead and allow yourself to float back down to now. Just float right back down into the now and come back into the room. Okay. All right. You feeling good? Yes. It's very easy to travel back and forth, right? It's like <laughs> effortless. So when we're talking about this tendency or this pattern to accommodate or to please other people, what would you name that? If you were going to give that a name, how would you label that feeling? In the past, I've called it my perpetual guilt complex. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and does that feel, does that resonate for you now? It turns it into a joke, okay. which resonates with me when I think things are funny they're easier for me to process. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so if we call it guilt, does that still connect for you? Well, I don't want it to. Okay. <laughs> so does perpetual guilt complex feel better? A little bit. All right. 
Is it the most accurate name we can give it? Because in order to release it, we really want to be clear on what that feeling is. Yes, because I've that's what I've called it for a very okay. long time. <laughs> so are you ready to let go of this friend? Yes, <laughs> okay, yes. Okay. So let me ask you then, is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this feeling of a perpetual guilt complex and for you to be consciously aware of it now? Yes. Excellent. I want you to ask your unconscious, what is the root cause of this perpetual guilt complex, which when disconnected will cause that feeling to totally disappear? If you were to know, was it before, during, or after your birth? Mm. I would probably say after. Okay, perfect. And if you were to know, at what age did that occur? Um, probably like around six or seven. Okay. And specifically, ask your unconscious mind, at what age did that occur? Hmm. I'm feeling like maybe earlier. Okay. I don't know. You don't have to know. That's okay. If you were to know, just going with your gut instinct, at what age did this feeling of a perpetual guilt complex first appear? Maybe more like three. Okay, perfect. Does that feel right for you? That feels more right, yes. Okay, excellent. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing so great. So now I'm going to ask you just to go ahead and get in touch with your timeline now. I want you to float up above your timeline and turn around to face that past. Go ahead and float back into the past so that you're just noticing the event, like just hovering up above it. And when you're there, just let me know. I think I'm around there. I'm okay. around the feeling of being there, if okay. that's helpful. It is, it is. <laughs> and you know, throughout all of these exercises, you were completely safe. I'm here with you. You're still in complete control. We just need to make sure it's okay with your unconscious mind for us to like revisit that event. So when you're able to just float right up above it and mm -hmm. check in to make sure it's okay for you to look down directly on that event when you were three. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So floating there directly over the event and looking down on it, just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from this event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of this perpetual guilt complex easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve these learnings so that if it needs them in the future, they will be there to protect you, to help you make good choices that serve you. You might get the learnings consciously, or you might just get an indication that you've gotten them. When you have the learnings now, please share them with me. I'm feeling like some of the stuff that's coming up is that it's not my fault. I'm not responsible for the things that happen around me. It's not my job to fix mm -hmm. everything. And it's not my job to fight for love or relationships. Awesome. <laughs> and what else? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Just check in and ask your unconscious mind, what else does it need to learn from this event to completely let go of this emotion? That I have nothing to feel bad about unless it's something I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps resonating with me. Excellent. And what else? That I am deserving of love. Yes. <laughs> Regardless of what has happened or will happen. Perfect. What else? I'm enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am worthy of, of letting go of that feeling of, of responsibility is the word that keeps coming mm -hmm. up for me. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, I don't have to take on everything that somebody else is feeling or doing. That's mm -hmm. not up to me. And what else? I don't feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. What else? I 
I don't know. I, I'm not desperate. I've, I've, that's another thing that keeps coming up too. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's something that I've, that's been said about me, but when I'm looking back, I'm looking back at, at even the exact spot that you brought me to or anything along any of the timeline that I've dipped into and everything I've done has been out of love and pure intentions. Um, but I don't want to do that anymore. So it's hurting. Mm -hmm. It's hurting. <laughs> You're doing so beautifully well. Are there any other learnings that are coming up? Mm, I think that I need to be a little bit more forgiving with myself. That's something that's coming up too. Mm -hmm. With things that have happened or um, other people's actions, how they affect me and um, how I'm going to treat people going forward. Right on. Anything yeah. else? Mm, I don't think so. Does it feel like that's complete in terms of what you need to learn from this event? I think so. Okay, perfect. Really, really perfect. So now I'm going to ask you just to go ahead and float back into the past so that you're well before the event, still above it, and turn around to face the future so that the event is in front of you and way down below you. I want you to ask yourself, where is that old feeling of a perpetual guilt complex? Is it there or is it just gone now? It feels like it's going away. Perfect. Does yeah. it feel like the emotional charge is loosening up? A little bit. Do you know what's really okay. weird about this whole thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to get night terrors when I was a little kid, mm. like when I was like, five or six mm -hmm. and I would feel this like certain sensation in my extremities and I'm feeling it right wow. now it's really weird okay. so again <laughs> just to you know comfort you we're here together yeah you're in complete control you were totally safe we're just having a conversation yeah right we're just having a conversation do you feel safe to keep going absolutely okay perfect yeah it's just a weird weird observation interesting <laughs> so what would happen if you allowed yourself to float right down into the event. Like what happens if you go right down into that event when you're three, looking through your own eyes? Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Now I want you to check on that old feeling of, of perpetual guilt. Is it there or is it just gone now? No, it's not there. Perfect. Does it feel like it's lifted? Yeah. Excellent. You're doing so, so, so well. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> So what I'm going to ask you to do next is just come back to the present moment over your timeline only as quickly as you can let go of all the perpetual guilt all the way back to now. I want you to stop before and above each and every single event where there used to be that feeling of perpetual guilt. Apply all of your learnings and allow yourself to let go of the perpetual guilt complex all the way back to now. And remember, at this blissful unconscious level, time is experienced so differently. So your unconscious mind can take as little time as it wants to do so. Just go ahead and let go of all of that guilt all the way back to now. And when you get back to now, just go ahead and float back down into the present moment. So a lot. Mm -hmm. Take your time. <laughs> okay. I'm going, I went hyperspeed because I was to let it go. <laughs> Perfect. Does it feel like you were able to go through every event? Yeah. And, and sometimes when you think about specific things, you get a little like uh, uncomfortable, mm -hmm. obviously. I'm sure you're used to that, but mm -hmm. yeah. So you applied all the learnings and you can come back to now. With your eyes closed, I want you to see if you can remember a time in the past where you used to be able to feel that old uncomfortable guilt. Mm -hmm. 
I want you to go back there now and just check to make sure that that, that old icky feeling is just gone now. Yeah. Excellent. Now I'm going to ask you to go to a time in the future, which if this would have happened in the past, before we did this technique, you would have felt that old, unwarranted feeling of perpetual guilt and notice how it's just different now. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So allow yourself to come back to the present moment. Take a nice deep breath in. Let it go. And open your eyes whenever you're ready. <laughs> How do you feel? I feel weird. Yeah. I feel weird. I feel uncomfortable, but probably in a good way. Yeah. I, that feeling went away of my night terror. Okay. That's good. That's yeah, really sorry. good. <laughs> You've got like Scare. all the feeling back in your fingers. Yes, and yeah, yeah. 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 One of my clients calls it like zonked in a good way. Like when I check in on her after we've done the release technique, she's like, I feel zonked in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can notice a change in somebody's face even yeah. by yeah. when they're more relaxed and they feel more free. Yeah, I feel good. And did it feel when we were in that moment, did it feel like you were actually able to like release that, like the tension that on the emotion from that event? Yeah. I went back to not, not a three-year-old event, but another one that was really uncomfortable that, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, it's all my fault mm -hmm. and I didn't feel as bad about it. Isn't that amazing? It's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. So what I, what I say to like each of my clients is that to me, this technique is a lot like mental dental floss or like emotional <laughs> dental floss. It's like, you know, there's been something kind of stuck in your tooth that you haven't really been able to identify what it is. And the technique that we just did this like EFT release kind of loosens it up. And now you're aware that there's a vulnerability there. So when you going forward, if you start to, when you start to have this feeling of like, oh man, it's my fault. Like I need to do whatever it takes. I don't want to feel guilty. Now you can engage that conscious part of your brain. That's like, hang on a second. I know exactly where this comes from. And I know I've already released it from my limiting beliefs or like limiting decisions about who I am as a person. So I'm now going to choose to act differently. It's very, very cool how you can start to like, it's integrated already for you on like a, a deeper level, but in your conscious life, you can start to re-engage to kind of coach yourself through those moments, which would have otherwise pushed you to make a decision you didn't necessarily want to make. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Good. I always think about that. Okay. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to release and I'm going to um, make better decisions, but I'm curious to see what how this will be applied yeah. in life, right? Yeah. How how now the next yeah. guy who cheats on me or something, right? Which cuz you can't control that, but mm -hmm. you're obviously attracting the right people when exactly. you're in that right mind frame, Exactly. Right? And when you have an unhealed wound, you attract the same person over and over again. So you can go, This we don't do this rationally. We do this subconsciously, but you attract the same person to go back to the scene of the crime. So you can live it out when you were a three-year-old trying to get your dad's attention. And like you and I know that like, it doesn't matter who you date. It could be Ben Affleck himself. If he's coming back to heal that wound, he can't heal it for you. You're gonna keep playing out that old dynamic with your child self intending on getting a different result and it will not happen. It's going through this subconscious work that we let go and we kind of heal it at its core. And then we start to observe how that plays out in your life going forward so that you can take charge of that healing, integrate it into who you are. And I swear to God, that'll change who you attract. You, you won't call that person in again, in friends, in work, in, in love, because the wound is healed. You won't need to go back to like, you know, the psychology, uh, psychological scene of the crime mm -hmm. to live it out again. It's just, it's just done now. I like that. Isn't it cool? That would be nice. So yeah. Awesome. And the cool thing is that like, you can't really get there and talk therapy because it like you can outthink yourself and that doesn't work. You've got to go like right to the heart of it. So thank you for being so like courageous in, <laughs> in doing that kind of over the mic. Yeah, of course. Thank you for using me as your... <laughs> A guinea pig? Subject matter. <laughs> great. Yeah, it's good. Um, I hope that the people listening along can 
do some of that work as well with yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it. Do it along with me if you're scared to do it alone. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, these are techniques that I use on myself still all the time, right? When I get yeah. that feeling of like, where the hell is this coming from? Like, I thought I'd already healed this feeling or this wound. Um, then I'll start to like walk myself through these these techniques the best that I can on my own, and it's amazing because you always get new information, and it really does kind of heal you forward. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to do it by myself. No, we need, we need someone like you because there's probably some stuff that comes up that if yeah. you're not alone and you don't feel safe and you're not reminded, yeah. like with what you did with me, then yeah. you might trigger things that yeah. <laughs> will yeah. cause a reaction. So, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I am so thankful that you are here and that we were able to go through some of this work. I'm really curious to know, like as a coach, but more specifically as your friend, like I'm so curious to know how this is going to move forward. Are you still dating that guy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're still hanging out. Right on. Yes. Okay. So let's see how, (laughs) let's see how this plays out, how you feel differently and Mm -hmm. how you act and specifically how you react differently in different situations. Yeah. Will you keep me posted? I will keep you posted. <laughs> okay. You'll have to follow Lisa on Instagram. <laughs> she can give some updates on my dating life. <laughs> if you would like to follow along, you can find me at Lisa Wilcox. Um, as you know, my book is now available for pre-order. It's to call myself beloved and it's available on my site, lisawilcox.ca. If you have received or found value in this podcast or any of my, you know, other contributions to this digital world that we live in. I would love it if you would leave a review and, you know, give me a five-star rating. I'm so intentional about getting this podcast to top 10 that uh, that really goes a long way. Uh, And specifically, if you were really curious about NLP and EFT and what that would look like for you and how we can kind of help you get to this really safe, healing, soothing place and launch you forward this like coaching, which I really call actionable therapy, just send me a message and we'll get started. Um, hope your day is great and uh, cheers to a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. By all means, learn from the past, prepare for your future, but ultimately you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do. And then you start to act as if you already are that person. You can watch it transform your behavior right now. We did it. (laughs) Let's go get some tacos.